All right. Good morning, New Life Church. How's everybody? Everybody, not everybody's good, so we're going to need to pray a little more, harder. Uh, I'll try to preach a little better. I don't think I can outdo the worship leader. What a fantastic job this morning. Amen. You know, it's good, uh, it's good for our flesh to get uncomfortable. Amen. Yeah, I mean, I know that was, we're, we're used to like a little 25-minute thing. That was like a 40-minute thing. And, and so that meant we had to push ourselves beyond what we're normally accustomed to. And that's good. That's good. Amen? That's good, church. Come on. We got, we, our flesh likes to dominate. Come on. I don't know about you, but my flesh likes to dominate. It likes to row its ugly head and take control. But the Spirit of God is greater. What Jesus said, the flesh is... But the Spirit is strong, amen, and willing. And that's what that's good for us. So praise God for this morning. Good to see everybody. Listen, let me invite you to open up the Word of God today. John chapter 12 and John chapter 5. First in John 12, and then we're going to go back to John 5. Uh, you should have in your seats, too, a uh, uh, little uh, calendar lookout thing for our Holy Week services this week. Um, what this is, is uh, citywide, churches come together, pastors come together. Yes, that does happen. Churches not competing against one another, uh, but there's unity displayed, and it's a great time this week, Passion Week, Holy Week, to lay out of, of, of Monday through Friday uh, of different services happening. It gives you the location and, uh, and all of that, and all of the daytime uh, services have a lunch provided. So if you get a lunch hour, uh, you can pop over. The services are about 35 minutes, and then you can take a, another 15 minutes and grab a quick bite to eat there as well. So just keep that in mind. I'd love for you to join me. I'm not going to get to make it to everyone, but I'm going to make it to most. So I want to make sure you guys are aware of that. And our church, uh, some hope to see some of you around in the city this week uh, at church and not in the bar where I saw you last night. Say, what was I doing there? That's right. Well, it just so happens that Jesus ate with sinners. And the religious people didn't like him, but the lost people loved him because he was contagious. Amen? So, I don't know what that has to do with today, but uh, that was my way out. I wasn't really at the, at the bar anyway. Uh, I was at the coffee bar. was at the coffee bar. Palm Sunday. I'm so glad it's Palm Sunday. Uh, the, le the week leading up to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. Uh, listen, the last two weeks have been pretty powerful here in our gatherings. Uh, two weeks ago, we had a missionary, Greg Evans, from South Africa was here. And uh, as you, if you recall... He, on, on, his, on this um, U.S. trip that he was on, he was raising money to, to put 
to build his clinic, a health clinic for the community there and the, and the uh, South African people and the villages there. And uh, he was needing to raise, I think, uh, twenty or twenty-five thousand dollars. And on his day home, he he was just three thousand dollars short of that goal. So that's pretty phenomenal uh, to be able to accomplish that. And I want you to know, as a church, we collectively gave him just under twenty-three hundred dollars uh, towards that. So thank God for that. That's pretty powerful. I mean, if you look around, there's not that many people in here. So. Uh, but when we do our part, amen, it adds up. So thank you for being generous and uh, helping to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And then last week, uh, Dr. Lanice Roseman, don't let the doctor fool you, uh, was in the house last week. A very strong prophetic stirring uh, amongst us. God really, really reached into our hearts and encouraged us and, and, and really built us up. So I'm, I'm thankful for her and her ministry as we are kicking off this whole month long of celebration as two years of New Life Church coming up with Easter next weekend, going to end the month with baptisms, church memberships, and all of that good stuff. So it's a pretty powerful, strong month for New Life Church, and I'm glad you're a part of it. So let's dive into the Word today with the next uh, two hours that we got left. John 12. John chapter 12. <laughs> Verse 12, it says, The next day the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, Praise God. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand it at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. And many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone, in the Greek that word means the world, has gone after him. Everyone, the world, has gone after him. Let's pray. God Almighty, we come before you today thanking you for welcoming us into your presence. I thank you that we don't have to jump through certain hoops act a certain way, check off a certain list. We just come before you humbly and sincerely, and you welcome us. And I thank you that we don't leave changed. We leave better. We leave stronger. We leave more full of faith. We leave with, uh, with greater hope. We leave with the love of your Son in our hearts. We leave with greater understanding of how we're to live our life, to honor you and obey you and trust you for everything. Now, as we open your word, speak to us now, and may we be strong and faithful for you always, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. On this Palm Sunday, I want to talk to you today about walking with Jesus, walking with Jesus. This little story here, we're going to get to John 5 here in just a second, this little story here sets up a, a, a segue into understanding uh, the greater things that God has 
for each and every one of our lives. You noticed in the story that news swept through the city that Jesus was on his way. That when people heard that Jesus was coming, they got excited. They showed up. They put out the palm branches since Palm Sunday. They got their Instagram and Twitter accounts open, and they were letting it buzz. They were feeding the, they were feeding the lines. They were letting people know, hey, something's different. And it said that his, and, and they, the reason they came was they heard about the miraculous sign of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And so his reputation preceded him. And his reputation was that he, he gives life and he changes lives. He gives life and he changes lives. Amen? And that reputation went ahead of him. And he came into the city and the people, the religious people were looking at everybody and they're like, hey, there's nothing we can do because everybody has decided to go after Jesus. You see, there's nothing that people can really do when people decide to go after Jesus. And I think that's what a world is, our world is looking for. They're looking for people who really will go after Jesus, who will follow him, who will let him shape their life, who will let him re restructure everything about them. You see, that's the, that's the powerful thing about Christ is we don't just get saved. That's the beginning aspect. But then we begin this process of being transformed, that we don't stay the same. That we don't continue to hang on to the things that we have allowed to rule our life. But now Jesus dominates. Jesus rules. Jesus is king. And, and today I want to I preach to you on this Palm Sunday. I, I want to proclaim to you and I want to prophesy to you that, that to everybody. I want to stir your hearts that for all of us to go after Jesus. To go after Jesus with everything in, me, with everything in us. To not hold back. That whatever excuses or whatever blames or whatever thoughts or whatever issues we got we have going on in our life, that whatever it is, let's let Jesus have it all. Let's let him dominate our heart. Let him fill our life. And so I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you today and on this Palm Sunday that we will not stay the same. This, this Holy Week, as we're entering into this Holy Week, that it will not just be some religious week that we view or maybe we go through our day and we forget, oh, wait, Friday. Wait, that's good Friday. I'm supposed to think about that today. And, oh, it's Easter Sunday. I'm supposed to put on my best and look, look good and all that. But all of that is an outward sign of the inward work that Christ can do inside of us. That we don't have to stay filthy, ugly. We don't have to stay resentful. We don't have to stay confused. We don't have to stay in any of those positions that we can be changed. And that's what I want to encourage you in today and want to talk to you about today, about walking with Jesus. And there's this story in John 5 about this man. This, he's a lame man. Not lame like, hey, you're lame, but lame because he can't walk. Because he can't walk. 38 years in this condition. And I think a lot of times our lives reflect this man, this lame man. Our lives can reflect him. Let's look at this. John 5 verse 1. It says, Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. And inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool called Bethesda. And with five covered porches, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, they lay on the porches. And one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, ran away from him because he was scared. No. When he saw that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked them, Hey, would you like to get well? The man said, I can't, sir, 
The sick men said, For I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. And Jesus told him, I'm sorry, dude. That stinks. And I feel bad for you. Won't you schedule a counseling appointment with me and we'll get together sometime? Jesus told him, told him, didn't ask him, didn't say, would you consider doing, didn't say, if you feel like doing, he, he told him, stand up. You know when your mama or your daddy tells you, stand up, boy. Stand up, right? Some of, some of you know what I'm talking about. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. See that X? Go back, go back, go back, go back. See that exclamation mark? That's a command, not a suggestion. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. In verse 9, instantly the man, instantly, geez, instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking, but this miracle happened on the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. Oh, my bad. I forgot. But he replied, you're just pretty much going to have to take it up with the one who healed me. He said, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. I think our lives oftentimes can, in different phases and seasons, and sometimes those are long seasons, can reflect this man's life and his condition. We want to walk again. We want to walk. This man wanted to walk, but he was not walking. We want to walk with Jesus, but sometimes we don't walk with Jesus the way we know we should walk with Jesus, right? I know I'm talking to the front row and the front row only. Everybody else got it all together. <laughs> we don't walk with him in the potential that we could. We say, hey, I can't because of... And we have this excuse. I can't because, well, it's somebody else. It's, it's because of somebody else that I really can't do this thing. And so like this man, he had an excuses and he had, he had an issue of, of blaming other people for his condition. And I think that can reflect a lot of us. But there's this question. There's 183 questions in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Depending on the translation, you use 183 questions. And one of those questions is this question right here that Jesus asked the man, would you like to get well? Mark records Jesus by saying this, the, the healthy don't need a doctor, but the sick need a doctor. He said, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. And so the, Jesus knew what this man was, knew he had been in this condition for a long time, and he asked them this question, would you like to get well? And I honestly think he asks us that question all the time. Not just physical well, because this, this story and this miracle represents something deeper than just a physical manifestation. It was more about what was inward inside this man because his answer was, I can't. He said, I can't. And he said, I can't because I have no one to put me in the pool. And I think that leads to us understanding there was excuses. This man was full of them. He was full of excuses. And I think a big, a big excuse he was using was this. He, he, was, he said, I have nobody to put me into the pool. 
when the, when the water begins to stir up and bubble up. You see, it was about a, a superstition that was going on. And the, the superstition was the first one into the pool when the water was stirred. They thought an angel came down and stirred it, that the first one into the pool would be healed. But really, the, the water was stirred because of the underground bubbling that took place and fed into it. And so it really wasn't about being first at all. Because if, if, if Jesus didn't say, okay, here's the deal. You've got to be first. Here's the deal. I'm going to stir it, and I'm going to pick you up, and I'm going to put you in there. That was not the answer. And the man said, I, I can't get in because I don't have anybody to put me in there when the water's stirred. And he, in, in other words, he said, I'm waiting. His excuse was, I'm waiting for the conditions to be perfect. I'm going to walk with you one of these days. I'm going to live up to my potential. I'm going to serve you with all my heart. I'm going to love you with everything. I'm going I'm I'm to I'm be good. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to love and I'm going to sacrifice Jesus. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to trust you in my life. But it's, i got to wait for everything to get right first. I got to wait for the conditions to become perfect. There's a scripture in Ecclesiastes. It's, listen to this. It says, Ecclesiastes 11:4 says, There are some things that you cannot be sure of. You must take a chance. If you wait for perfect weather, you'll never plant seeds. And if you are afraid that every cloud will bring rain, you will never harvest your crops. Friends, I submit to you today that if we always wait around for the conditions to be perfect, you and I will never do anything worthy for the Lord. We'll never truly live up to the potential that God has placed on the inside of us. We'll stay in the position that we're in. But there's this thing about Jesus who's not content and satisfied with his people staying where they are. Just as I am without one plea, I come to you just as I am, absolutely, but I don't live for you just as I was. I live for you changed by your glory and your holiness and your presence and your word inside of me. See, Jesus loves us just as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. Because the thing about salvation is not just about getting our ticket punched to go to heaven. It's about living well on this earth for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God. I mean, if it weren't about that, then man, why can't we just get saved, check out, beam me up to heaven? But there's a life to be lived. Jesus demonstrated there is a life to be lived on earth. And he gives us the ability and the power and the grace to do it. Would you like to get well? I can't because... I don't have anybody to put me in. I just need the condition. I just, the water's just not warm enough. <laughs> the bubbles need to be a little bit faster so it feels good when I get up in there. <laughs> I don't have anybody to put me in. I need the conditions to be right. You know, the sun is just going to get in my face like that. If I get it on, the, on, the, on that side, the sun is just, just going to hit me the wrong way. I mean, come on, the man had, had all kinds of excuses. I know, this room, we have no excuses whatsoever. We're not full of any excuses. When Jesus puts the mandate and the call in our life to step it up, to go further, to go deeper, to go harder, to be more faithful, to give up things, to make sacrifices for the kingdom of God, to show that our flesh doesn't rule, but Jesus rules, right? Come on, convenience, comfortability, come on. We're Americans. That's what we live for. We live for that. If it ain't just, if it ain't just right, if the conditions aren't perfect, I don't know. I have to pray about it. Right? I have to pray about that one. But it wasn't just excuses. You see, this man was amongst tons of people 
It was the common gathering place. The, the pool there at Bethesda was larger than a football field, and it was 20 foot deep, so you could do some serious cannonballs. <laughs> I mean, serious dives. All these things. And tons of people were there, but it wasn't just his excuses that stopped him. He said, I can't, because not only do I don't have anybody to put me in, but someone else always gets there ahead of me. And the issue with that is he found himself blaming and putting the blame on somebody else other than him having ownership and taking responsibility. Somebody else always gets there ahead of me. Somebody else always gets in first. You see, this started a long time ago. Adam, first man, blamed Eve. Eve turned around and was like, hmm, it's the devil's fault. The devil's caught. And he's like, hmm. And, God, and the Lord was like, Adam, Eve, serpent. So the blame game was invented a long time ago, and it's been going on for generations. They were born to blame other people. It's not natural to take responsibility. That has to be taught that has to be instilled. Sometimes that has to be whooped in. Sometimes that has to be grounded in. Sometimes that means you get fired because you don't take responsibility right. I just don't know why my boss don't like me. What time you get to work? Oh, about a half hour beyond everybody else. What time you leave? Oh, about 30 minutes before everybody else does because, you know, I just got my things to do. I don't know why I can't keep a job. And this person, this man blamed other people because he, everybody else got there ahead of him. There are people that live their entire life. And there's a eulogy done and there's a graveside service done and people show up. But there are people who live their whole life who don't truly live up to the potential that God's placed in them because they always have blamed somebody else or they always blame the devil for why they couldn't. And friend, that is, not a, that is not the place and the condition in which any one of us are called to live, blaming other people. You can live with a victim mentality, or you can live with a victorious mentality. It's easy, I mean, come on, it's easy to push blame on why, you know, on someone else as to why you're not happy, as to why you don't get your way, as to why think good things don't happen to you. They're always happening to everybody else. Why can't they happen to me? And so we live this life comparing ourselves to other people. And here's the thing. God never called us to be like other people. He called us to be like Jesus. And you never see anywhere in the Bible, in the Gospels, where Jesus was trying to be like somebody else. You never saw him trying to be like Peter. You never saw him trying to be like John the Beloved. You never saw him trying to be like Matthew. He hung out and he gravitated and he pulled these people to himself but he was never like them. He was above them. He was the leader, and he still is. He calls us to be like him. He calls us to be like him. You guys rolling with me? And so what happened is this, this man was full of excuses, and he was full of blame, blaming other people. I mean, it's a quick conversation. One question. Quick conversation. Would you like to get well? I can't. I can't. Can't never could. I can't. How many times have we found ourselves saying to the Lord, I can't. I can't. I just can't. I can or I won't. 
Now, the story goes on, and we're going to get into this part. Instead of blaming other people, how about we believe what God has to say? Instead of blaming, how about we believe? See, when we blame other people, we don't believe what God really has to say about our life. How about we believe what God says? Ephesians 2.10 says this, We are God's masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He has planned for us long ago. See, God has good things planned for every one of our lives. And if we don't believe that He has good plans planned for our lives, then we'll never do the good things that He has planned for our lives. If we live blaming other people, we'll never truly believe God and what God has to say about us and what God wants to do through us. We are God's masterpiece. Think about that. You are His masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus. Brand new, new creation. The old has passed away. In God's eyes, you are new in Christ Jesus. Created for this, created for the good works that God the Father has planned for you. He planned you out. He planned your life out. He has good things planned for your, your life. But you've got to start believing. You've got to believe that no matter what you go through, no matter what you face, no matter what you deal with, no matter what's going on on the inside of you, this is not the end. This is not how it can always be. It can change. Things can turn around. Things can become better. Hope for you can arise. There can be light at the end of that tunnel. There can be a transformation. There can be a new season that starts for you. But you've got to believe that you are God's masterpiece. And when God makes anything, He does not make mistakes. If anybody in here feels like you, you've made too many mistakes, then you discount and you discredit the blood of Christ that forgives. You are his masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus to do the good things he has planned for you. Start believing that. Start believing. Believe that, that you're not meant to just eat, sleep, work, eat, sleep, work, eat, sleep, work. And that's all there is to that. There is meaning in all of it. There is meaning to this thing called life. There is purpose to this thing. And that is what Jesus was getting at. His answer, would you like to get well? The man said, I can't. And blah, 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 blah. Said his thing. And here's what Jesus said. Stand up. He's in a two foot by four foot mat. On a two foot by four foot mat. 38 years. He said, stand up. You see, before you and I can walk with God, before you and I can walk with Jesus, we must first learn to stand up. See, here's what happens when we stand up, when Jesus says, stand up. It changes our perspective. And when our perspectives get changed, then our thinking can get better. And when our thinking can get better, then we have good focus and good vision. And when we have good vision, then we're able to see the purpose for which God has created us for. But you'll never see and know your purpose down here. Because this mentality is below God's mentality. Down here is not where God's called you to live. He's called you to stand up. And when you stand up, your perspective, your thinking, your vision changes, and it opens your life up. Oh, snap. You mean I've been missing out on all this out here? Yeah. 
You sure have. You mean my life really doesn't have to suck as bad as it sucks right here? Yeah, that's exactly right. You mean I can be different than I am right now? You better believe you can be different. You mean I can have joy in my life and down here I'm not that happy? Absolutely. Absolutely. You mean, you mean I can have love flowing through my veins? Yes. Man, I've been missing it. Because I've, been, I've chosen to stay down instead of stand up. But see, standing up is just the first part of it. Then he tells you, told the man, pick up your mat. Pick up your mat. Notice they didn't have a dialogue from this moment on. It said instantly the man was healed, stood up, picked up his mat, and he began to walk. They didn't have an exchange of words anymore because something got through to this man. He was no longer focused on his excuses and he was no longer focused on blaming somebody else. He picked up his mat. That is about owning and identifying your issues and taking responsibility for it. We all have mats. M-A-T. We all have mats. Those mats are the things, M, that mold our life to the condition that it's in. Hurts. We all have them. We all have had hurts. We all have hurts. Some of us in this room have hurts going on right now that are not truly healed. They're open. They've not been treated. There's not been any attention given to it. And we're living with these open wounds and these open things going on because of hurts. And hurts will mold our life to be in a certain condition. It's not the way God intended. We all have mats. Pick up your mat. A. The things that we have gotten accustomed to. Patterns. Habits. We all have habits. And listen, not all of our habits are good. I don't want to know your habits, but listen. We all have habits, and we've got some habits that are not healthy, that are not good, that are not God-honoring, and they're certainly not good for us. And if we want our life to change, we've got to identify and take ownership, take responsibility for those bad habits. Because those bad habits are going to continue to take you down. They're going to take you down. They're going to cut your life short. And you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be content. You're not going to be fulfilled because bad habits don't bring good things. We all have a mat. Pick up your mat tea. The things that tailor our life. You see, follow the, 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 the path here. Molding, accustomed to, tailoring. You see, the longer we're in a mat, it defines us. It identifies us. It labels us. Well, I've always been this way. Well, you see, I was, this is what happened to me a long time ago, and I've just always carried it around. And this is the why I am in the place I'm in today. But here's the great thing about Jesus, the revelation is this. He breaks chains. He cancels curses. He heals broken hearts. He saves lost souls. He frees the addict. He purifies the luster. He changes the dynamics of the game called life because he is the game changer. 
He's the one you pass the ball to with 3.2 seconds to go, and he shoots, and he scores, and he wins every time. He's got the perfect game plan drawn up for your life. But he, he requires us, if you want to walk, you got to stand. And if once you stand, then you got to own and identify and take responsibility for the situation you're in. And it may not be your fault. And sometimes that pill is hard to swallow. But we're, if we're not careful, things that happen to us that put us in a certain position that aren't our fault, we can wear that too long. We can wear that way too long, and we can get caught up in it becoming our cloak and our label. And it begins to fit. It begins to tailor to us and shape us and keep us confined and keep us within and bound. But that's not what God had intended. Pick up your mat. Then he tells them, hey, walk. Walk, and it said instantly the man was healed, picked up his mat, and began to walk. You stand up, you begin to see your purpose. You pick up your mat, you take ownership, and you realize, hey, this, this, is, this is sad because this is, this is not worth giving my life to. Man, this is not worth it anymore, but okay, so I pick it, I pick it up. I'm going to hold it. Okay, here it is. Now walk. Begin to put forward movement to your life. But now you're walking not just to walk around, but you're walking with change. You're walking with a difference. Jesus is a difference maker. You're walking to be different now because you, the, the, the work has been done on the inside. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And the guy here began to do just that. And as he began to do that, it said the religious leaders looked at him and said, Dude, well, they wouldn't have used dude because they didn't talk like that. But they said, they, whatever they said to the man, however they addressed the man, you're not allowed to, walk, to work on the Sabbath. It's against the law for you to carry your mat on the Sabbath. And he said, well, the man who healed me told me to do it. Told me to stand up, pick up my mat, and, and walk. He said, it's against the law to do that. You can't do that. Religion always says you can't because religion always attaches a certain set of, of rules and lists and do's and don'ts to it. And Jesus breaks the rules of religion in order to open up the doorway to relationship and to give life to purpose for you. Religion says you can't. Jesus says you can. It's against the law to work on the Sabbath, they said. In, in, the, in the God's eyes, we don't work to earn anything from Him. We accept it. And I want to do good because you have it planned for my life to do just that. You come back up, yeah. Walk with Jesus. Every, any one of us can get caught up in, 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 our, in our excuses. Any one of us can get, a, get caught up in our, in, in our blaming. And the longer we, we linger in excuses and the longer we linger in blaming, 
here's the deal. We, we, we live life bound. We live life bound and we, and we live life below what God has for us. But you'll never see what you were created for until you're first willing to stand up. Nobody else can do it for you. Nobody else can take your hand. Nobody else can make you do it. People can talk to you till they're blue in the face. Jesus can only do it for you. And that's the thing about it. He wants us to put our entire hope, trust, faith in Him and in Him alone. Stand up, He said. And then pick up your mat and begin to walk. 38 years he was in that condition. But one moment, one moment at the palm of God's son, his life changed. His life changed. Come on, I invite you to stand.